0: Welcome, everybody, to the 20 Bell Salute, episode 9, May 2000. I am your host, Mr. Fretz, from the Game Changer Podcast, right here on Russell Addict Radio. This podcast is available exclusively on the Russell Addict Radio Patreon page and later included on my personal page at anchor.fm. Pretzelmania, that's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E, Mania. This month, we are looking at some monumental releases in video games such as Perfect Dark, movies like Gladiator, and as well as WWE Judgment Day 2000, and (sighs) yes, even WCW. David Arquette wins the title. Oh boy, here we go. So everybody, please join me in my socially distant Y2K compliant DeLorean as we go back to May 2000. Starting off with a little bit of news. Now, this would be mostly for uh, some of my fellow Canadians that might remember this. Uh, Slack, you might have been too young to remember this, but anyone who grew up in uh, Ontario, Canada, would remember at this time in in May 2000 was the Walkerton E. coli outbreak. Now, this took place in, uh, Walkerton, Ontario, Canada, which is actually not too far from where I live now. However, when I was living in Cannington at the time, uh, I didn't know what and where Walkerton was. Uh, what happened here was, was a, a contamination of the town's drinking water supply in Walkerton, uh, got contaminated with, uh, E. coli. And it was, uh, as a result of improper water treatment following, uh, heavy rainfall in late April and early May, 2000, it drew bacteria from, uh, the manure of nearby cattle used to fertilize crops in the shallow aquifer of a nearby well. And, uh, this was a news item for, I think most of the late spring and early summer. Uh, there was a 2000 confirmed cases of gastroenteritis, gastroenteritis, uh, I'm assuming it's something, you know, it's something with the bowels, uh, that resulted in 2000 people being very sick, uh, six people dying from the poisoning and, you know, 27 people having very severe cases of it. Uh, now this was just, this is a major, major news item that was just a public nuisance and As a result, we got uh, stricter water treatment guidelines put in place by the government. So, awesome. Now, we had, uh, uh, at the time, the Associate Chief Justice of Ontario, Dennis O'Connor, was launching an inquiry into the outbreak and called, you know, the town newspaper, the Walkerton Inquiry. Uh, The Public Utilities Commission operators Stan and Frank Coble, both of which had no formal training, were sentenced on December 20th, 2004, after pleading guilty to charges of common nuisance stemming from the contamination. Uh, Stan got one year in jail. Frank got nine months of house arrest. Now, I don't personally know anybody from... Actually, I do know people from Walkerton, now that I think about it, Matt. uh, I don't know anyone who was personally affected by this, but this was just a major, major tragic news item up here at least in Ontario I remember it being on the the news every night for a while so I might walk back into this uh in June but we shall see now right away getting into movies we have some monumental releases and some monumental crap ones as well Starting off with a movie that I enjoyed as a teenager, although revisiting today might be a little difficult. Meyer, Sean William Scott, Amy Smart, Rachel Blanchard, Fred Ward, Tom Green, DJ Qualls, Paulo Costanzo in Road Trip. Now this was one of your teen sex romp comedies, a la American Pie, Animal House, uh, and, and what have you. So we have these two childhood friends who become high school sweethearts, Josh Parker and Tiffany Henderson. Uh, They both enroll in separate universities, resulting in them having a long distance relationship. And they promised to be faithful to each other. However, when Josh loses, loses touch with Tiffany, he believes she might be seeing other people. Nonetheless, he makes regular recorded videotapes to mail to her. Uh, remember that uh, back before YouTube and FaceTime and unsolicited dick pics. Ah, oh, man, to be young again. So Josh asks, asks his friend Ruben to mail his tape to Tiffany before leaving class. And, you know, Josh, he is failing one of his classes and his professor informs him He needs a B-plus on the midterm to pass the semester and, furthermore, to enroll. Gulp. I'd be screwed. (laughs) I was not that good of a student, even in college. How do I have a a bachelor degree? My goodness. (laughs) Still worrying about Tiffany, Josh's best friend, E.L., convinces him to accept his friend, Beth Wagner, who has a loving attraction to Jacob. So they bang, and... Well, the videotape, you know, films them doing it and, you know, see Josh arrives, you know, in the very jovial, I just got laid mood. Uh, However, the wrong tape was mailed to Tiffany and then hijinks ensue and and, uh, Tom Green Who's in this movie uh this is around the last time i think the public had a shred of tolerance for tom green i believe this might have been just after or just before freddie got fingered i have a feeling i've already talked about that garbage movie on this show but i can't remember and tom green who is like in the center of this poster with with all the other characters He's basically a framing device and a narrator and is in this movie for maybe a grand total of 10 minutes. Thank goodness. So they drive across the country to, you know, the other, to Tiffany's university. And then of course, their car breaks down and they hit a shortcut, a collapsed bridge and they backtrack and, you know, Ruben tries marijuana from an eccentric home meltel clerk. We see all these other hijinks that include the gang, uh, making deposits uh, making deposits at a sperm bank to raise funds. And this is where I discovered something kind of gross at the sperm bank. Uh, yeah. Sean Williams, Scott, you know, Steffler. uh, Had his deposits, uh, well, checking for oil, the back door in the bum. And that is, it is there where I discovered that, well, there's a spot back there for dudes. Okay. (laughs) Um, I am not going to touch that. No, I haven't. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. And then he ends up loving it. Hey, I ain't one to kink shame. To each their own, man. But my goodness, when I was 16, I thought that was weird. So the group finally arrives to Tiffany's dorm. Josh intercepts the sex tape that got sent to Stiff... To Stiff... And yeah, Stiffler Tiffany. There's their kid's name. And then... Josh passed the course. Josh and Beth are still together, a happy couple, still making videos to each other. Uh blah 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 my my goodness. Uh, DJ Qualls uh you know he was the the weird looking guy. The people thought, you know, that maybe he's the ugly weird looking guy and then he he got laid and then he had this big girl's underpants and he banged her. And he boinked her. Okay. And then that kind of was the catalyst for the movie uh, i think it was the new guy where he played the underdog ugly awkward loner type who befriended you know the hot popular girl alicia Dishuku. Uh okay yeah I, as i said i haven't revisited this maybe one day if i see it on netflix i'll sit through a couple minutes of it but once i see tom green i'll bounce like no thanks. Uh, J- Jimmy Kimmel does a voice in this movie, and I'm just looking at the rest of the of the cast here. and e- Ethan Suppley is in it, you know. Uh, oh, the the big guy from My Name Is Earl and from uh, from Mallrats, the guy that stared at the poster and couldn't tell that it was a sailboat. Shut up, Andy D- Andy Dick. Uh, I didn't know he was still alive in the 2000s. I. Don't know if he's still alive now. Um uh yeah he is. Uh yeah, that guy was weird. He was the motel clerk that gave them the pot. Okay. Yeah, so next going on to a movie that I love and I absolutely would love to go go back and revisit, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, Connie Nielsen, Oliver Reed, Richard Harris Music by Hans Zimmer. Yes, I am talking about Gladiator. Now, I was listening to uh, the 302010 podcast, and I couldn't disagree more with uh, Chris Antista about him not liking the the movie. Uh, for those of you who don't know, 302010 is the podcast I that the 20-bell salute is inspired by. No, I'm not stealing it. I'm just... Well, I kind of am, but you know... Everything is free, kind of. (laughs) So we have this epic historical drama film. And, you know, Antista was talking about how much he doesn't like it because it has that kind of, you know, bro dude uh, movie culture about it. And it's like one of those movies that all the bros say, all the dudes say, oh, you got to see it, uh, guys, movie night kind of thing. And I guess with the whole thing he he took with that and whatever... Uh, listen to Thirty Twenty Ten. I highly recommend it they do these things a lot better than I'm doing right now I know I'm inspired by them to do to do these look backs because I like looking back on what life was like you know on a particular year and you know I can't wait to get to 2001 because there are some personal things in my life that were you know in my mind they're pretty epic so we have here uh this historical drama film and we have uh, Russell Crowe playing Roman general Maximus Decimus Meridus. I probably butcher that. Who is then betrayed when Commodus, the ambition son of Emperor Marcus Aurelius, murders his father and seizes the throne. Reduced to slavery, Maximus becomes a gladiator and rises through the ranks of the arena to avenge the murders of his family. And his emperor. Now, this was inspired by uh, Daniel P. Maddox's 1958 book, Those About to Die, formerly titled The Way of the Gladiator, as the film's script. And then, you know, Ridley Scott was signed on to direct the film. And yeah, this was just one of those, you know, as I said, one of those bro dude, those bro dude movies, you know, in, in AD 180, we have just. Roman general, fighting, gladiator. I mean, what? What's there not to like here? <laughs> I mean, to each their own. But we have, you know, Yaqueen yeah, Phoenix was playing a fantastic uh, villain in this movie, the a- amoral, power-hungry, embittered son of Marcus Aurelius, murders his father. Uh, Russell Crowe as Maximus, you know. Then Oliver Reed's in this ah man like i haven't seen this movie in quite some time and i'm absolutely going to revisit it i love this i mean this was a staple for my uh my guys movies movies nights in in bible college you know shout out to uh my friend mike who uh probably won't hear this but yeah we we would have you know our our guys nights where we would have you know some time in prayer, some time just to talk about life, talk about our struggles and then we would just watch a movie, order a pizza, pe- order a pizza, get some get some snacks, you know, put our homework down for a couple hours and just de-stress. And you know, Mike was one of my favorite pe- people to do that with, you know. Not only is he uh, you know, he's a fellow believer, he runs an amazing ministry uh, called The Graphic Word, and I highly recommend you check him out on Instagram. He does, uh, well, now that we're social distancing a little bit, he's doing all of his stuff online. It's really admirable. Mike, I'm going to give you a shout-out. I'm going to send you a tweet here. So I hope you're doing well. Hope you and the Mrs. and the kids are all well, and your health and you're safe. I love you guys. I miss you guys. Let's catch up. And yeah, the, and the rest of this movie is just, you know, Maximus rising through the ranks, kicking everyone's arse and taking his rightful spot at at the top getting his vengeance you know i know we like you know vengeance is vengeance is mine thus saith the lord but uh hey you know what you got to take <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, it into your own hands and this was a very expensive movie and very well done and it still looks pretty good maybe the cg looks kind kind of sketchy but that was 2000 i mean another movie that i wasn't going to mention but disney's dinosaur i think was one of the first full cg movies and it uh yeah it doesn't age well i mean but what about toy story you know that was 3d animation which i think is different from cgi i can't remember but yeah if you look at toy story 1 in 1995 then look at 2000's The Dinosaur and Toy Story 2 came out at the same time too. I've already talked about that. You just look at how far special effects and, and 3D animation and CGI have come. It's, uh, it's something else. So next up here we have another score by Hans Zimmer. Directed by John Woo. Starring Tom Cruise dork scott fanny newton richard roxborough john Paulson, brendan gleason and ving rames mission impossible 2 uh here we go again yeah and uh what i like about mission impossible is their reliance to have some random artist do a rendition of the no, 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 and that was almost 007 Uh, You know the Mission Impossible theme. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, whatever. I'm going to break out into various other beats that I probably butchered and mangled six songs into one. You know what I mean. So in, uh, I believe it was one of the first Mission Impossible movies, maybe the first one, or I'm thinking of a totally different one, but Metallica did a score for it. Uh, And in this one, they had uh, Limp Biscuit. I think it was, uh, take a look around. And, you know, at the time I liked it. I liked Limp Biscuit unironically. Sue Me. Yeah. I had all their albums from $3 bill y'all, uh, to, oh, what was the one with, uh, I can't remember the name of the one that had Nookie, but then there was chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. And I even had results may vary, which had the really crap cover of behind blue eyes by Fred Durst. Anyways, uh, I don't remember this movie at all. I know I watched it at the time because, hey, it's an action movie with Tom Cruise. So you had, yeah, you had Mission Impossible. You had Ethan Hunt. You know, uh, <clears throat> Tom Cruise. Just going to develop, going to prevent a biological epidemic. So there we go. There's, there's an impossible. There's, you know, all the special effects. You know, the, the motorcycle fight here, right? Which I totally forgot about until thirty twenty ten brought it up. It was something outrageous, and I like movies that are self-aware about being wacky and and uh, completely off the wall, and they know it. I like that. Excuse me. I think that's rather admirable. Speaking of a movie that was probably not self-aware. Oh, Oh, I'm going, I'm going here. Yes. This was one of the biggest bombs of the year 2000 A critical and commercial failure described as one of the worst films of all time. John Travolta, Barry Pepper, Forrest Whitaker, Kim Coates, Richard Tyson. Battlefield Earth. Oh, boy. Yeah. Based on the 1982 novel of the same name by L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, yeah, we're going here. It's a Scientology movie, folks. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, about this Travolta was unable to obtain major studio funding due to concerns about the script and its connections to Scientology. In 1998, this was picked up by an independent company, Franchise Pictures. And then, uh, yeah, it was panned by, everything was panned about this movie. The the film, the acting, the cinematography, the script, the special effects, the art direction, and everywhere this has been ridiculed. This received nine Golden Razzie Awards. Uh, this was considered the worst picture of the decade. You know, Franchise Pictures was sued by its investors and went bankrupt in 2007 after it emerged that it had fraudulently overestimated the film's budget by $31 billion. And this, coupled with its poor reception, just nixed John Travolta's plans for a sequel. Thank goodness. Next up here we have, I don't have the wiki page for it up here with me, but there was a movie with, I believe it was Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan, uh, Shanghai Noon. We had Big Mama's House with, um, I believe it was Martin Lawrence, was playing a, a Big Mama while he was undercover in Witness Protection, and The Virgin Suicides, a movie that uh, I'm not at all familiar with, but again, I heard 302010 talk about it, and it just reminded me of it. Now, in music, uh, we have some big, big, Big releases in music in May 2000. We had Eminem, the Marshall Mathers LP, you know, the one that included The Way I Am, Stan, The Real Slim Shady. We had Britney Spears' Oops I Did It Again, which featured Oops I Did It Again, and Lucky. We had White Pepper by Ween. We had mayor de Gnomes by A Perfect Circle, by an arrow by Pearl Jam, Brave New World by Iron Maiden. We had, uh, Uh, light bulb of sun by the porcupine tree uh we had mad season by a matchbox 20 which i believe had bent uh, and and among other one uh, among other uh singles that that is a huge huge one and we had nyc ghosts and flowers by sonic youth yeah sonic youth was still doing music in 2000 Uh, my, my goodness this is uh I had a few of these. I mean, yep. I had Eminem, despite the fact, uh, I'm a metal guy, primarily metal, rock, punk, ska, what have you. I dabbled with a little bit of rap, not much of it, but yeah, Eminem was one of the ones I listened to in high school. Maybe there's a little bit of shame now looking back at some of the homophobia, but then again, at the Grammys at the end of the year, he brought out Elton John to do the, um, uh, what's the, what's that spot and stand by, by what's her name who sings, thank you. The sample that he used for that, he brought out Elton for that. And I guess it proved a lot of people wrong. I think, uh, oops, I did it again by Britney Spears. I mean, come on, deep down everyone like Britney. I mean, it was a staple at all of my, uh, high school dances. We had uh, much music video dances come to my high school a couple of times a semester. And it was around this time, I think I got on student council for the following year. So I was heavily involved in promoting and, and, you know, getting all these dances ready. I mean, oops, I did it against jam. Uh, I'll give it that. Britney Spears was at the height of her popularity at this point in time, being a very young woman, maybe just in her early twenties before she went all bald and crazy and her snatch ended up everywhere on the internet. You know, now I think she's clean and sober. Thank the Lord. And here's nothing but positive vibes go- going on to her. Uh, and it was around this, this time that, uh, Eddie Van Halen was starting treatment for the prevention of tongue cancer. Uh, 20 years later, I think he's still battling the, the effects of it. And this is something that really, really hits home for me. Not only because Eddie Van Halen's my all-time favorite guitarist and from one of my all-time favorite bands, but it was uh, later, either later in 2000 or in 2001, uh, my father was diagnosed with uh, cancer in his, um, in the cheek, tongue, mouth region. You know, that, and both of those from smoking. You know, my father is uh, is still with us right now, though he he hasn't been feeling well lately. You know with, uh, being a cancer survivor, his, his immune system is not too good, but, you know, here's, a uh, here's hoping for some positivity for, for the OG Mr. Fretz. Uh, here into some video game news, we, uh, we have the first ever E3, you know, the electronic, expo the something electronics expo where you would see all the trailers for the new video games and the new systems uh you would see all the developers showing off what they're going to be bringing out you would get all these stealth drops for oh this is what we're working on you get those announcements like uh oh i had it had to be it had to be e30405 when they Did the trailer for Legend of Zelda, the the game that ended up being the Twilight Princess and everyone was screaming and going nuts. And, you know, I went, I watched the trailer at my friend's house uh, because he was the only guy I knew in my hometown who had like high speed at the time. And I remember watching that again and again and again. Another game that was released here was Perfect Dark, a first-person shooter developed by Rare for the N64. And for months, no, not months, years, people were looking for the proper follow-up to uh, 007 uh, James Bond, uh, Goldeneye, James Bond game, that was the perfect multiplayer, the perfect first-person shooter at the time. Looking back, it ages about as good as milk. Uh, but Perfect Dark was the successor to this for a while and it had a damn good you know multiplayer campaign it was a it was a great you know game on its own i think it was one of those few games that used that n64 expansion pack and uh at the time it was one of the best looking games on the system i think it's on the rare replay collection for the xbox it's normally pretty cheap so that includes the uh yeah, it includes Perfect Dark, Banjo-Kazooie, and Banjo-Tooie, Conquers Bad Furday. It's a collection worth picking up if you have an X-Bone, so why not? And, and another game that was released uh, th- this month was Bomberman 64, the second attack, or Bomberman 64-2. Not to be confused with Bomberman Hero, which was another game from the, the Little Bomber. Uh, this was a game not released in Europe, and due to releasing late in the 64s, life cycle and minimal advertising mediocre reviews it wasn't that good of a game it's one of the rarest titles on the console that can go for hundreds if not thousands of dollars and just to have a quick glance into tv we have the simpsons with the last three episodes of season 11 the last tap dance in springfield where lisa takes up tap dancing uh inspired by this annie-like character with classic movies who was a tamp dancer you had mad 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 marge where otto leaves his uh girlfriend at the altar who then becomes the latest uh person to stay at the simpsons house and marge becomes fearful of homer cheating on marge with otto's ex becky you know shut up becky uh, yeah it's because uh, patty and selma were trying to fill uh marge's head with all sorts of nonsense and then there's the behind the laughter the vh1 behind the music spoof but it actually you it had the voiceover guy and it showed you know a bunch of clips of what it's like to be the simpsons i guess and this was the sh- the episode that in a way revealed where the Simpsons actually live now clues to their, uh, their state has been wildly, wildly speculated, but it, uh, makes a joke about this, the Simpsons unknown and unidentifiable location. You know, I have been to Springfield, Missouri, and it says on the giant billboard, once you drive into that town, that it is the hometown of The Simpsons. Okay. However, this episode revealed that they live in Northern Kentucky. They have a little line at the end, and the future looks brighter than ever for this Northern Kentucky family. And it was changed a few times because Scully, one of the writers for The Simpsons, didn't want to pin it down for the fans. And then there were alternate versions of the episode with Southern Illinois for, for an example. So this really effed with the fans and I kinda, I kinda dug it. Uh, family guy had the road to Rhode Island. Uh, you know, Brian goes on a road trip to pick up Stewie from, from the, uh, Lois's parents. And then there's, you know, the road to Rhode Island, it was one of those uh, musical episodes, one of those infamous Brian and Stewie episodes that we that we all love. You know, I don't mind them myself. I like them. Uh, Futurama. We had uh, Mother's Day, which was you know, Mom, the evil overlord of all the robots, the creator of all robot life on Futurama, has this chip where all the robots rebel. Problem with Poplars where for, where the crew discover this. Uh, new snack craze on this uh on this planet they they look like a bunch of chicken nuggets they ended up being the offspring of the omicronians you know i am lur from the planet omicron percy i eight. and one of my absolute favorite 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 episodes of futurama anthology of interest one where professor farnsworth uh shows his crew the thing longer a glove with a long rod meant to be used and an extension of his pointer finger and he demonstrates by asking the what if machine a hypothetical scenario and this is where we get three different scenarios there are two anthology of interests uh the second one being my more favorite one because it has a space invaders video game uh, inspired episode but this one is you know the what if machine so bender offers to take his turn and ask what would happen if he was 500 feet tall of course this is spoofing the iron giant bender destroys nearly all of central park while playing with fry Uh, and the military is sent to deal with him Uh, and zoidberg becomes a godzilla villain and he clips bender's legs and Bender fills Shea Stadium with boiling water and pushes Zoidberg into it, creating a lobster boil. And then, you know, that, that that was when Zoidberg came back to life and cut Bender's legs off, causing him to fall over and impale himself on the Empire State Building. Ha, <laughs> ha, Okay. Hi, truck. It's midnight. Why are you driving past my house? Um, the next one was Dial L for Leela, where leela it kind of refuses the question at first but as being teased about being unimpulsive and then she asks the what if machine if she were a little bit more impulsive so she shows off her wild new boots but on a wild impulse according to her she karate, cart, karate kicks fernsworth on an impulse sending him well into a pit of man-eating anteaters where he is devoured alive And yeah, this sends Leela into a bit of a killing spree. Yeah, a little bit more impulsive, and she goes nuts. And next up, we have the unfreeze of a lifetime. What would happen if... no Fry asked, what would happen if he was never frozen? So Fry narrowly avoids falling into the the cryogenic tube that sent him to the year 3000. He is never frozen. However, a rift in the space-time continuum appears which shows the Planet Express crew in the future. And then, you know, Pinucci, his boss, doesn't believe the story. Fry is overheard by regular customer Stephen Hawking, who arranges for Fry to be abducted on his way home from work. Uh, he is introduced to the Vice Presidential Action Rangers, led by Presidential, uh, presidential Election... Uh, candidate al gore uh whose sole duty is to protect the space-time continuum his group is also filled up by stephen hawking Nichelle nichols you know who was uh uhura in star trek gary uh gary gygax one of the creators of dungeons and dragons and then fry you know (laughs) explains what happened the previous night they determined fry was supposed to die and they try to kill him Another rift appears with Bender throwing a beer bottle at the rangers and, and Nichols suggests that Fry be frozen in order to stabilize the continuum. And then Gygax gives Fry his plus one mace for protection in the future. And then, well, they end up playing Dungeons and Dragons for the next quadrillion years because they're all in a big featureless void, kind of like a purgatory. Yeah, and then at the end of it, the professor curses the what-if machine for creating scenarios that even he found preposterous and dumps it into the trash. He, he judges the thing longer a success and is congratulated by the crew. And then this ended up being a big what-if thing. And this is what it would be like if I had invented the thing longer. Okay. That is a hilarious F you to the audience. That is phenomenal. And uh, a couple of more uh, news and notes here before we go on to the wrestling portion of the show. We had uh, Beverly Hills 90210's finale after 10 seasons. And most of the cast and crew leaving except for a handful here. And uh, Dawson's Creek uh, made history with the first uh, male-on-male homosexual kiss, I think, ever. I mean, six years ago, previous to this, we had the first uh, woman-on-woman lesbian kiss with uh, the daughter of Roseanne. And this was, uh, you know, I'd say it was kind of historic for for those in the LGBTQ... I'm sorry if I forgot the other letters, if there are any community. And yeah, this was a big one for them, and... Yeah, you know i'm ashamed to admit uh, at the time i would make fun of this because well we all used the g slur at this point in time and i'm sorry i'm very sorry so yeah this it made it made history and yeah that is all the pop culture for may 2000 now if i could dabble a bit into my personal life well this was near the end of 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 grade 10 i was approaching final exams in June. I was continuing to recoup from my surgery. I was getting a little bit more active. I think I had a job at this point in time as well. I might have been washing dishes at, my, at the nursing home my mom still works at to this day. So, yeah, I didn't. And I didn't last that long at this home, unfortunately. Uh, you know, temp, uh, contract, you know, that kind of stuff. So... Anyways, yeah, that's it for the pop culture. Stick around for the wrestling of May 2000 because it's going to be interesting. Yeah, let's say interesting. Stay tuned, peeps. What's going on, peeps? Mr. Fretz here. Welcome back to the 20 Bell Salute, a 20-year look back on wrestling and pop culture. It is now time to talk about the wrestling of may 2000 and oh my goodness have i got a doozy of a show for you here we have wcw Slambury, we have ecw hardcore heaven a quick glance into wwf's uk pay-per-view insurrection and of course what we're all here for my review of judgment day 2000 but before we get there We have to talk about David Arquette winning the WCW Championship. Holy... That is something else. So, on April 25th, 2000, David Arquette, star of such hit movies as Scream and Muppets from Space, won the WCW Heavyweight Championship match... I mean, Championship match. During a tag team match with David Arquette and champion DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, taking on Eric Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett, with the stipulation being whomever made the pin would become the world champion in a tag team match. You know, this is from WCWWorldwide.com, which I didn't think still existed. And how this whole angle came to be is debated among... Fans and people involved in the wrestling industry, Uh, the Pro Wrestling Torch from May fifth two thousand says that the original plan was for Page to drop it to Jarrett at Thunder last week. You know, Page has since vehemently denied that he protested doing the job, but several sources within the company says he expressed obvious concern over losing the belt so quickly back to Jarrett. You know, uh, DDP actually won the title the day before this show you know he expressed uh concern to russo and bischoff to redraw their plans so that page could lose it under more of a fluke circumstance you know some believe that page protested hard behind closed doors and thus feels confident that he can deny protesting One WCW wrestler who is not named here said that those around him say it was obvious he was surprised when he found out Russo wanted him to drop the belt back so soon. Either way, the Arquette decision was a last-second brainstorm made hours before he won the title. To me, that sounds more like a brain fart. Now, Slamboree 2000 was about a week or so after this whole debacle. It was May seventh, 2000 in Kansas City, Missouri at the Kemper Arena in front of a whopping 7,165 fans. Now, I did not watch this entire show. I did not watch a second of this show. Instead, I went on YouTube and watched OSW Review uh, do their review of this show back when they did the WCW Arquette uh, trilogy, if you will. Uh, which involved thunder slamboree and i believe it capped off with a review of the movie ready to rumble which i talked about last month in april's 20 bell salute you can find out my actual thoughts about it then so i'm just gonna burn through this as quickly as possible because it's like tearing off a hairy band-aid and if you want to hear a funny review of this listen to osw but also Go back into our archives on Russell Attic Radio and listen to Mance Chapel, formerly of the Gift of Podcast, now of The Delight Show. Go over this back when he was doing uh, later era WCW reviews. Mance, my goodness brother, how did you do it? How? So we start off the show with a Cruiserweight Championship match with champion Chris Candido retaining the title over the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. Of course, Candido had his wife, Tammy Lynn Sitch, a.k.a. Sonny, with him, and the artist was accompanied by Paisley, who is Charmel, the wife of Booker T, sucka. I'm looking at this match, and okay, there was no way in heck that Chris Candido was a cruiserweight. He was so swollen. He was roided up at this point in time. He was huge. So the very notion of him as a cruiserweight is laughable. To me, it's like looking at Tony Nice. Nice looks like he's 275 pounds with that, you know, those abs and that chiseled body of his. Uh, yeah, this was just an absolute schmoz. Uh, Candido won with a blonde bombshell, the top rope powerbomb, which was just sick. Sick move. And after the match, we had tamil and sitch and pays they have a cat fight oh wait no i'm sorry chris candido hit a pile driver for the victory for some reason i thought he hit the blonde bombshell top rope power bomb in wcw uh yeah i don't i don't think he would he had a he had a great run in ecw but by the time he came to the fed with the body donnas yeah no it, it wasn't anything good Coming up next was the WCW Hardcore Championship with Terry Funk successfully defending his title against Norman Smiley and Ralphus. Yeah, Ralphus. Remember that uh old fat trucker guy who came to the ring with Chris Jericho and kind of became Chris Jericho's lackey? Yeah, Ralphus was still doing stuff in 2000 but with Norman Smiley and Unfortunately for all of us watching, Ralphus had a lot more of him revealed than anyone ever wanted to see. Now, I'm a fat guy, so I should be the last person talking about a fat guy being stripped. I mean, Mark Madden was the same, and it was also gross. Because Mark Madden looks like he ate Mark Madden. (sighs) Anyways, next up we had Sean Stasiak defeating Kurt Henning. In a singles match uh, yeah sean stasiak was trying to be the new mr perfect much like the rest of the new blood was trying to be the new insert legend here who is on the millionaires club like later on we'll see uh chuck palumbo the the new total package the complete package or something so they called sean stasiak the perfect event and they were trying to reenact those awesome Mr. Perfect commercials where he would, you know, hit a home run with Wade Boggs and or whether he would hit a, uh, perfect three pointer or they like could do a perfect dive into the pool. And Stasiak was trying to do the same thing and it just didn't click. And it was an absolute abomination. And I believe Sean Stasiak hit a terrible version of the fisherman's suplex. To win this one uh Scott Steiner retains the United States Championship over General Hugh G rection Oh man, we get to talk about the Misfits in action. Yeah, uh Hugh Morris coming out and cutting a terribly done shoot promo where he claims his real name is Hugh G rection and he keeps a straight face from it and he doesn't go <laughs> and just laughs like Peter Griffin. Uh, jerry that one's for you buddy <laughs> so next up we had mike awesome and chris canyon wrestle to a no contest uh, kevin nash comes to the ring to attack awesome but he was attacked by billy Kidman, shane douglas and vampiro and chris candido until rick flair and sting made the save to come help nash this divulges into nothing more than a schmoz, no contest the Total Package defeats Bub, Buff Bagwell by submission. Uh, you know, a, a nothing match where, you know, Buff was trying to be, you know, oh, he's got a body. Lex Luger's got a body. They're both Buff, but Buff is the stuff and Lex is the Total Package, so, you know. Uh, Vince Russo had Elizabeth kind of chained up or held hostage backstage until she hit Uh, Vince Russo, and then came to the ring and attacked Buff Bagwell with the baseball bat, enabling Luger to pick up uh, Buff from the torture rack. After the match, Chuck Palumbo attacks Luger and then hits his own version of the torture rack after. Shane Douglas defeats Ric Flair in a nothing match. Sting defeats Vampiro. Hulk Hogan defeats Billy Kidman. And in the main event is the Triple tier, ready to rumble cage match for the WCW Championship. Excuse me a second. Okay, so this triple tier cage gimmick was right out of the movie Ready to Rumble. A hybrid of a cage match, a hardcore match, and a ladder match, which sounds as dangerous as hell because, well... Chris Canyon got thrown off the top of this particular structure, uh, severely injuring him. So during this match, Jeff Jarrett regained his championship choke on that slap knots. Wow. Yeah. That friggin' cowboy by Kid Rock theme he had. So, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett wins back his title because good old David Arquette turns heel. Because of course he does. Because it's WCW and everyone turned on a whim. Uh, towards the end of the match, as Paige was about to escape, both Arquette and Jarrett broke guitars over Paige's head, enabling Jarrett to grab the belt for the victory. Control, control, one. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh this was crap and even listening to and watching reviews of this made me hate it. Yeah, this is a show I'll, I'll never watch. I'll just listen to OSW or Mats, uh just give out about it. Next up here in The World of Pro Wrestling was on May 14th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. ECW presented the final Hardcore Heaven. Now this took place in front of 3,400 fans at The Rave in Milwaukee. And we had quite a decent card here. We had Masato Tanaka defeating Balls Mahoney. Little Guido defeating Mikey Whipwreck and Simon Diamond in a three-way dance. Kid Cash defeating C.W. Anderson accompanied by Louie Dangerously who is basically the Santa Claus to uh, Paul Heyman. Wild Billy Wiles and Elektra, Uh Not that Elektra. Uh, Nova and Chris Chetty defeated the Baldies and Danny during an roadkill in a three-way dance tag team match. And if you watched a... Certain episode of Dark Side of the Ring, you will know all about this next match. New Jack defeated Angel with Vic Grimes and Tony DeVito. Uh, if you, yeah, as I said, if you saw Dark Side of the Ring, you know all about this. Uh, Yoshihiro Tajiri defeats Steve Carino accompanied by Jack Victory. Rhino uh, retains the television title over the Sandman in a shock victory. Jerry Lynn finally gets his win over Rob Van Dam, who was accompanied by Bill Alfonso and Scott Cavaliero's favorite wrestler, Scotty Riggs, because he is part of of Cavaliero's favorite tag team, the American Males. Now, of course, in this match, Rob Van Dam was about to get the victory with a five-star frog splash, But Scotty Anton knocked him off the turnbuckle, turning on his former friend Rob, and Jerry hits the cradle pile driver for the win. And in the main event, the Impact players explode. Just Incredible defeats Lance Storm to retain the ECW title, and Lance Storm goes down to WCW. Actually, I think the next time I get to talk about WCW... Uh, Lance Storm will already be there. So, awesome. Awesome work. Now, we had Insurrection, a UK pay-per-view that took place in the Earl's Court Exhibition Center in London, England on May 6, 2000 in front of a sold-out, I believe, 17,000 fans. We had Two Cool defeating the Radicals of Malenko and Saturn, Kane defeating Bull buchanan in a quick match, Road Dog defeating Bradshaw, The Cat defeating Terry Runnels in an arm wrestling match that just broke out in the and probably someone tits popped out. Uh Mula and may Young were in their respective corners, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was either one of them either. Uh Rikishi and Shokishi defeated the Doubly Boys. Kurt Angle defeated Chris Benoit. The British Bulldog defeated Crash Holly to win the Hardcore Championship. And I believe this was uh, Davy Boy's final appearance on pay per view. At least in the UK for the WWF as well. Uh, Bulldog may have won, lost the title back to Crash on Raw the following week but it's entirely possible you know it was bulldog was on his way to rehab at this point in time and unfortunately uh, uh he passed away just 2 years after this and it's a, it's a shame that we didn't get to see the hall of fame at WrestleMania weekend this year because davy Boy was going to be going in and whenever the next hall of fame ceremony whatever thing is i can't wait to see bulldog go in like to see uh His daughter, Georgina, and his son, uh, David Jr., uh, and probably Diana, even though they divorced long before he passed away. Just to see him get his proper send-off would be awesome. Next, we had the Hardy Boys defeating Edge and Christian via disqualification for the Tag Team Championship, but Edge and Christian do retain because DQ... Eddie Guerrero defeats Chris Jericho to retain the European Championship. The European title being second from the main event is kind of a shocker here, but based on who uh, wrestled here, it's not surprising. And next we had The Rock defeating Triple H and Shane McMahon in a triple threat match to retain the WWE Championship, which is probably more of a... um, handicap match than anything because of the mcmahon helmsley regime now what we're here for army men world war presents wwf judgment day from louisville kentucky where's colonel sanders I- i'm sorry I-, I couldn't resist that here's a sip of beer Ooh, i got two beers in front of me this is gonna be fun so we start off with the mcmahon helmsley regime In their little boardroom with a big plate of hummus and veggies. Briscoe is the hardcore champion. And he's about to go for uh, the coffee run for everybody. And for some reason, X-Pac wants ice in his coffee. Yeah, I want ice in my coffee so, so it's not so hot. It doesn't burn me. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, any time I go to Tim Horton's and I order a a black, large, dark roast coffee, it's skin-searing, flesh-burning hot. I mean, yeah, I would do that, but then I would also just wait for my coffee to be drinkable. So, and then, uh, because Briscoe is the hardcore champion, and the 24-7 rule is still in effect, the headbangers attack him backstage, and we see a little later on here, Shawn Michaels in his... Super duper short shorts. Who likes short shorts? Sean likes short shorts. So we have the opening contest. Team Eck Edge Christian Kurt Angle against Too Cool. And holy crap, how over was Too Cool at this point in time. I mean they were they were just dancing stereotypical two thousands guys, but it's a product of the time they were over as heck so we have kurt angle uh cutting a promo he's like you know because i've been hanging out with edge and christian i'm starting to get attention from teenage girls jerry lawler you shut your mouth don't even think about it and kurt's like you know oh yeah i'm all that yeah yeah, that's kind of like the movie she's all that except you know better because that movie sucks He's like, you know, basically saying, you know, abstinence is cool. Uh, I'm a 36-year-old virgin, so I can't tell you if abstinence is cool or not. It's... I don't care. (laughs) Whatever. So Edge and Christian and Kurt are all in the ring. And Edge has a big bag of gimmicks. Oh my goodness, they're about to do a five-second pose, aren't they? I think this is actually the birth... Of the the catchphrase. For the benefit of those with flash photography. uh, They cut their five second pose. With the jug band. So they all dress up in stereotypical. Hillbilly attire. The coveralls. The hats. The bandanas. The big fake. No teeth. Buck teeth. Whatever thing. Edge crosses his eyes. And you know. And Jerry just laughs his ass off. The washboard, the banjo. Ah, that's that's funny. And then, right away, Too Cool come out and Angle almost got stink-faced. And we got that little tease because fans want to see Kurt get a stink face. And so do I. And this is all Too Cool. The crowd is absolutely hot for them. Uh, Kish misses a bunzai. Scotty manages to nail the worm. Christian uh, comes in with the ring bell, but is nailed with the Rikishi driver. No, uh, yeah, they nailed the Rikishi driver. Uh, and now I, th- I think this is the. No, I'm sorry. There was a Rikishi driver. Christian gets the ring bell and hits someone. But behind the referee's back, as there is a distraction. Grandmaster Sexay hits the hip hop drop behind the ref's back for the win, and two cool win this really really hot opener. It was it was a a whole lot of fun, a whole lot of schmoz, and a little bit of dancing as well. So the next match here we have um, the Radicals explode. Eddie coming out in an absolutely beautiful car. I I didn't uh, get to see what it was. I'm not a car guy. Someone uh, in the Patreon chat can help me out, please. We had the European Championship match with Eddie defending the title against Dean Malenko and Saturn. It didn't take long for the Radicals to explode, and I am not too impressed. However, uh, Saturn and Malenko have kind of been allies, but Eddie has broken off on his own since he has been uh, with his mamacita, China. And this is an absolutely technically sound match. Excuse me, that's just another couple more sips of beer here. So Saturn picks up Eddie for a doomsday device, and Dean looks to be Road Warrior Hawk in this situation. But Eddie manages to reverse out of it and drop uh, Saturn into a hot shot or a stun gun if you're a WCW Steve Austin fan. And at the same time, it crotches Malenko on the top rope. Funny. Saturn's superplex is denied. Eddie's superhero and Rana is denied. And then Dean picks up Eddie for a really nice. Uh, top rope super gutbuster for a for a near fall. Uh, Saturn, uh, Saturn and Eddie, and uh, yeah, Saturn and Eddie decide to press A and B and no mercy against each other and use a couple of their moves. Saturn hits a frog splash on on Guerrero. Saturn then locks the cloverleaf on Dean and Eddie hits a brainbuster on Saturn, but it makes a lot of sense because. Uh, the Brainbuster is one of Eddie's finishers in WCW. So in a way, okay, fine. Then there was a really nice spot here with all three guys doing a triple slash double back suplex where it looked like all three guys connected with a, a back suplex. Uh, and then, you know, chi- China nails Saturn with the flowers, which had a pipe inside them. This was a bit of a storyline leading up to the match where uh, Eddie would do a little bit of cheating to win a match on SmackDown. The flowers would get involved and a pipe would be revealed to be inside of the bouquet of flowers. So flower power is used on Dean Malenko, but he tries to reverse it. And then he is tripped into the flowers face first. And it's the pipe again. Eddie wins. Lie lying cheating and stealing well before he was lying cheating and stealing oh my gosh that is that was funny this was a fun match this was very very awesome i think it's might be one of my matches of the night it's a really hard choice because we have some really good ones here t- to talk about Backstage, we see Briscoe... Uh, no, we see the the SmackDown recap of Briscoe winning the Hardcore Championship quietly. Where, you know, he pins Crash while he's napping and the announcers sell it with the whispering like, oh, Briscoe just won the title. He just won the Hardcore title. Shh, don't make up Crash. No, funny, funny stuff. Jimmy Corderas air counts and Briscoe, like quietly celebrates so next up we have here the Big Show versus Shane McMahon in a false count anywhere match Uh, Shane McMahon calls the Big Show an unmotivated slob and he's right because I'm an unmotivated slob too (laughs) so we see the genesis of the. which way did he go which way did he go this jungle cat Simba challenges the Big Show and in the setup for this match, we see um, Shane chokeslay on the big show with the help of like six other people, which include TNA and Degeneration X. Now, hang on a second here. Whoa, whoa. So, Test, the man that beat Shane. In a lover or lever match at SummerSlam 99, somewhat nine months previous to this, in order for him to date Stephanie or to get the blessing to date Stephanie, he had to beat Shane in that match. And after not only beating Shane, but then also getting dumped by Stephanie. He is helping Shane out. In a way, he's helping out the regime. I believe he's helped out Triple H. I mean, dude, do you have any integrity or any balls after doing something like that? I cannot imagine uh, do- doing anything like that. Um, I've never been, uh, what's, uh, cucked? so i wouldn't know what that's like i've been dumped for another guy more than once but that's besides the point (laughs) um yeah test what the hell man so big shows really crap rap theme which you just heard uh plays them out to the arena and no chance in hell for shane mcbann and uh All of the Lion King references come out here. I believe Big Show is uh, referred to as Scar. Uh, At least he wasn't referred to as Mufasa, or we'd all be scarred for life again. Yeah, that was one of the first things I remember seeing in a theater was Lion King and Mufasa's death. Mind you, on the big screen, visually it looked awesome, but when every Child started to cry in the theater, including myself. Yeah, not so much after that. So, eventually, everyone gets involved here. Uh, boss Man comes out here, who is a former foe of the big show. So, that's a neat, neat little knot in the storyline here. Armageddon 1999. Go back into the archives. I don't think I talked about that show. I think I was on a bit of a break at that point. But, yeah, Armageddon 99, not much you need to know about that show besides the legendary (laughs) boss man show feud with uh, Big Boss Man uh, revealing to the world that he's a bastard and that the man that died that we thought was the Big Show's dad was not. And Big Show's a bastard. He's a nasty bastard and your mama said so. And then the the best part is when <laughs> boss man comes out and cuts a eulogy. It's like, if I could have a son as stupid as you, I'd kill myself too. My fake daddy died and went straight to hell. <laughs> oh, Big Show was so good. Rest in rest in peace, boss man. Rest in peace, boss man. Did I say? Yeah. Heel Bossman was awesome. I mean, he cooked up Hal Snow's dog and fed it to him. It was so absurd, but so entertaining. <laughs> yeah, Big Show comes out with a nightstick. Uh, and then we see Bossman eat a power bomb. TNA come out with chairs. Uh, Trish hits a low blow, which I think she kind of no-sells. Big Show picks her up and tosses... Trish to TNA and she lands right on her TNA uh Shane McMahon starts running away which way did he go which way did he go uh TNA start taking down the set Shane McMahon starts climbing the scaffolding Bobby Cannon comes out to even the odds again and uh lay out the big show so Shane takes this big ass speaker and tips it on top of the big show's leg Sparks skull flying. It's like, oh, broke my kneecap. Ugh. Uh, Shane uh, then gets this cinder block, which looks like it was made out of... out of a block of Herb Abrams' cocaine and breaks it over the Big Show's head. It explodes everywhere in a big puff of smoke, and Shane McMahon wins the match. Then afterwards... Uh, briscoe goes to the ref's room to try and take a bit of a powder and take a chill he's like uh can i just sit here for a little bit guys he starts to have a nap and i think to myself why aren't one of the refs covering him to win the hardcore title there's a room of refs you can do this and briscoe must have retroactively read my mind 20 years later in some kind of Doctor Who time warp because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> One of the refs tried to cover him. He's like, What the hell? Uh funny stuff. And then you see just Triple H and Shawn Michaels catching up backstage, and Sean's like, Oh yeah, my kid's growing like a weed, and you know, that's the greatest thing ever. Being a father is awesome. And then Triple H is like, dude, what's with those shorts? It looks like you're smuggling bananas. I mean, you don't have to call attention to the fact that Shawn Michaels is well endowed. Maybe it's making me a little bit insecure and jealous about my small penis, but I don't care. <laughs> so next up, we had a banger of a match. We have Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit in a submission match. Get in. Just hook that right into my veins. And the uh, the vignette uh, leading up to this match was putting over their finishers. And it was also getting a glimpse into some of their feuds inside and outside of themselves. Like uh, Hardcore Holly wrestling Benoit just prior to this. And destroying uh, Benoit's knee with, with a chair. So this creates an interesting selling point. This is just a technical class. I mean, this is the Hart family dungeon in the ring. Just like, you know, a good chunk of a lot of wrestling from this point in time was. Uh, Valvenus is shown backstage, and apparently he's going to be challenging the winner of this match. And the last time I think any of us saw Valvenus was WrestleMania 2000 when he was refereeing a cat fight between Terry and Tori. And Valvenus made a joke about ejaculation. So now Val is going to be much more serious and, you know, not talking about ejaculation anymore and coming out to really crappy techno music. Uh, and in this match, Benoit is working the head of Jericho as Jericho is working in the knee of Benoit. So this is some great ring psychology with, with the submission holds and their particular submission moves. And, uh, And during the match, Chris Jericho takes off the brace and is starting to work over the knee even more. Uh, Bob Hawley's watching this match as well, and he's intrigued uh, to maybe wrestle the winner. But unfortunately for him, just after this, he wrecked his arm in a match against Kurt Angle, taking the moonsault. It's just his arm was in the a weird position and I don't know if his arm broke or a muscle snapped or a tendon. I have Bob Holly's book. I'm just too lazy to go to the other side of my, my room here and get it. So, um, Jericho is hit with Benoit's knee brace behind the referee's back. There is a cross face and Chris Jericho passes out. We see a King of the Ring ad with, triple h being dubbed the king of kings huh i wonder what would have happened if triple h won the king of the ring in 2000 i mean he would probably turn the crown into like the motorhead skull crowns 20 years before he actually did it or so Yeah, King of the Ring 2000 is uh, what we're going to talk about next month. And, oh man, Kurt Angle uh, and the King of the Ring tournament. That's that's one of my favorites from 2000, so I'm really looking forward to talking about that next month. Uh, Briscoe goes on another coffee run, the Headbangers get to him again, and even the Concession guys try to get a lick in. That's funny. Next up here, a tables match pitting the Dudley Boys against Road Dogg and X-Pac of DX, or who is left of DX. The King of Rock who? The King of Rock what? The King of Rock no! So, of course, in this match, I think she's been called it for quite some time now, but JR continuously refers to Tori as a Jezebel. Yeah, look up the Old Testament if you want to know what Jezebel means. It's quite... uh, Vicious. So Tori gave wood to Bubba. I didn't think that was genetically possible, but okay. Uh and then Bubba, of course, is in his trance. Like Tori helped put Bubba through a table on SmackDown or Raw. And then her sins will not go unpunished, Bubba. And you know, his trance. And he looks like Festus. Or Dexter Loomis. And dowg is cutting his H E E double L promo. Uh then there's a shine. Show your TNA. Two years before TNA existed. Oh wait. Oh, I thought you meant show your test in Albert. Okay. I'm not one to kink shame. I'm not one to judge your your preferences. Whatever, buddy. That was okay. So the was up headbutt before was up was a thing or became part of the headbutt repertoire. And throughout this whole thing, just Bubba is snarling at Tori. And this isn't an Elimination Tables match, much like the Royal Rumble one with the Hardy Boys and the Dudley Boys, which was far better than this. But although this had some pretty good spots in the match, uh, Devon got a pump handle slam through... ...through the table to be eliminated. Uh, there's a bunch of tables set in the ring before that. X-Pac is powerbombed... ...through a, through a table. We see a ref bump. brisk, And Briscoe comes to the ring to... Uh, ...help Degeneration X. or And to help Tori. So there is a 3D through a table. And because the referee is down... ...it does not count. And Bubba is about to give the fans what they want. Putting Tori through the table. But is denied. And then X Pac nails Bubba with an amazing top rope X Factor out of the out of the uh, super powerbomb position to win the tables match. And the feud goes on. To King of the Ring in a dumpster match. Yep. That's a thing. And we are already at the main event. Why are we at the main event so soon? Oh, it's because it's an Iron Man match. The Rock versus Triple H for the WWE title in an Iron Man match. And just before this, we see the creepy ring around the Rosie girls talking about the Valley of the Shadow of Death. What, the Lord's Prayer? Uh, uh, Oh, you're foreshadowing the Undertaker. I get it. So is the Iron Man match sixty minutes, guest referee Sean Michaels in his in his short shorts. Now I'm just gonna go over a couple of the the scores here, the the pinfalls, because to me Iron Man matches are so damn boring. They're just they're a chore to sit through, mind you. Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle had a damn good one on SmackDown. Uh, I want to watch. Like the flare and steamboat ones, maybe even uh the Chris Hero and CM Punk one, which was what, ninety minutes? I would check those out, but like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, it's something that I would only want to experience once, just for the sheer length of it. Yeah, I haven't gotten back and watched any of the Lord of the Rings since the mid two thousands. It's it I just can't. it's, it's long. So we see here uh, a rock bottom 11 minutes in, and the rock is up 1 to nothing. There's a whole bunch of stalling, a whole bunch of going in and out of the ring and all over the arena and all over the crowd. And the rock walks in a figure four because woo. Then we see nothing but a schmoz going everywhere. It's basically a hardcore title match. And then back in the ring, a pedigree out of nowhere. And it's 1-to-1, about 34 minutes in. And then Triple H with a small package, and it's 2-to-1. And then Triple H with a pile driver, and it's 3-to-1. Holy crap. Uh, The Rock gets a DDT, and it's 3-to-2. And then Triple H gets himself disqualified, and it's 3-to-3. There's a score in here that I absolutely... Missed, but I didn't care. Uh Triple H makes the rock pass out to a sleeper, and it's five to three for Triple H. DX implodes into a shoving match because uh Shawn Michaels is trying to be fair and trying to be a referee like he should be. And he shoves Triple H. Triple H shoves him. Shawn Michaels shoves him back. Oh my gosh, Degeneration X is going to implode two years before it actually does. And then out, out, outside of the ring, uh, the Rock is thrown out of the ring, and the cameraman is taken out, and he's dead. And uh, the Rock does a pedigree through the announcers' table, and gets back into the ring. Triple H is counted out, and it's five to four. And the Rock nails the people's elbow, and it's five to five. And then everyone starts coming out to interfere in this match. And then it starts to thunder inside the arena. Well, I think Louisiana's part of Tornado Alley, so that's not that weird. Then you hear the gong, and then you hear American Badass. Are you scared? And the Undertaker makes his long-awaited return. To the WWE, Taker had been off since about September '99 with a slew of injuries, and he had come back on a motorcycle, changing his look just a little bit, calling himself the American Badass, coming up to the ring to "Sad but True" by Metallica. I mean. American Badass by Kid Rock, who used the sad-but-true guitar riff. Now, this was a culture shock for me as being an absolute mark for The Undertaker, but also kind of liking the music at the time. I dug it. So, with seconds left, Undertaker cleans house. X-Pac eats a chokeslam. Everyone gets wiped out by The Undertaker. Stephanie gets choked. As if we're going to see a chokeslam tease here. But Triple H prevents it. And then The Undertaker focuses attention on Triple H. The clock is still counting down. There's seconds left. Undertaker picks up Triple H. And nails him with the tombstone pile driver as the clock winds down to zero. But it is tied. It is five to five. The rock and triple H tie. Or so we thought. The official decision is that due to outside interference, Triple H wins the fall by disqualification. And is now the WWE champion after the Iron Man match. So technically, Triple H won the title via disqualification. Okay, that was... It was weird. It was convoluted. The crowd just boozed the crap out of it. And... It's Triple H as a heel winning by the skin of his teeth. So it was perfect writing for a for a chicken shit heel. It, it was kind of funny looking back on it too. Because you, you know me. I've always hated Triple H. So to me this was a travesty of justice. And I'm like I can't wait for Taker to get the belt off of Triple H. And tombstone his ass from here to eternity. But that didn't happen. So that is it for this version of the 20 bell salute. Thank you for listening. And if you like the sound of this and various other things that we do, please consider joining our Patreon at Russell addict radio, uh, yeah, patreon.com slash addict radio. We also have a tea pre- tea spring store where you can get t-shirts and mugs and sweaters and all that kind of jazz from all of your favorite personalities right here on Wrestle Attic Radio. You have the Game Changer Collection. You have the Fretzelmania Collection. The YLP co- Collection. The Delight Show with Brother Mance. We have his collection. We have the HBIC, the Queen Bee themselves, the Kate Murphy, the King Ricky Rose Collection, the Kings of the Rings. All of this is available on teespring.com wrestle-addict-radio. In in that page, you can find all of our individual stores. If you want to see my stuff, uh, check out my pinned tweet, or it won't be my pinned tweet by the time this goes up, because I'll have something else on the Patreon that's going to be focusing a lot of attention that I'm going to be getting a lot attention on so thank you very much for listening to this version of the 20 bell salute next month is june which means it's king of the ring great american bash and a whole bunch of other stuff so stay safe out there folks be smart god bless you i love you goodbye